parenting is hard, but there's help. Welcome to Everyday Parenting with Mary Beth Henry, a licensed marriage and family therapist and parent educator. Everyday Parenting utilizes face-to-face unscripted interviews with real parents, but names have been changed to protect their identities. Help support Everyday Parenting. If you have a business and would like to reach directly into the ears of our listeners, please contact us at parentingpodcast at gmail.com. Today's recording uh, for our podcast is um, in the making from 2018 until 2021. Uh, Sarah is going to share her story today in hopes that it will help and guide you as you are finding different challenges that come up along the way. It is a very, very incredible journey, a very emotional journey. Sarah is the perfect person to take us on this adventure today and on this path to find out how to help our children. So I wanted to start off the podcast today by reading. Sarah sent me an email and Sarah agreed that I could read this. I think it's just good for parents to know you can reach out about anything, about anyone, about any challenge you have, and I will be with you on this. So it says, hello, my name is Sarah and, and my son, Jack, will be three in April and we have been struggling at preschool since last July. First, he was biting. Now he will occasionally bite, but it's mostly not listening, being aggressive to other kids, etc. We have seen a a behaviorist and got a write-up, but it wasn't very useful. As she said, it may have been ADHD. She didn't really help give us any tools to address the issue. We are disappointed. We have spent a lot of time and money. The pediatrician and the school don't think there is a diagnosable issue and really think it's more a matter of figuring out how we can work with him uh, to get through to him. He's very verbal, um, ahead of his grade for that, so uh, that isn't the issue. Is this something that you may be able to help us with? If so, can you please tell me your rate, et cetera? Okay, so that's a typical email that I get every day. It's these observations that many different people, pediatricians, preschool teachers, behaviors, make observations, piece this all together. So Sarah, could you please help fill in the blanks now? Why did you reach out and take that next step? What was happening to change there? Because you you were looking, you were trying to figure this out. What changed? So welcome. Here's Sarah and let's go. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I remember when I wrote that email, it was at night after a really hard day. I was standing in my kitchen. It came from a place of just utter hopeless. You know, I I didn't know where else to go. I knew that there was a problem. I knew it wasn't normal. You know, we, we did, we, we spent a lot of money. Our pediatrician referred us out to kind of a behaviorist who missed the mark entirely, by the way, because we got a diagnosis later that was not ADHD. You know, he got diagnosed with high functioning autism, which fit. And this email came from me reaching out to my, my friend who you work with. And I just said, what can I do? And she said, I've got somebody. And so that email came from, I didn't know where else to go. I literally was at the end of my rope. He, he was just incontrollable. I would get calls every day. I would get anxiety waiting for my phone to ring because I knew it was going to ring and it was just a matter of when. And was it going to be in the middle of a meeting for work or was it going to be, you know, right when I get there? 
but I knew that this wasn't going to work. And, and the place that he was in was his second preschool. We tried moving to a different preschool to see if that would help the situation. It didn't. It was actually a really horrible fit for a variety of reasons. So that's where it came from is I was looking for guidance and looking for a place to go because I had exhausted all of these normal resources, the pediatrician and tried this behaviorist and the school wasn't helping. And um, that's where it came from. I did see that. I did feel it. We definitely connected and, and I wrote back and said, yep, that's right up my alley. As I said, (laughs) let me, let me have it. Let me have it. Let me see where we can begin. So we began. Come to your home first on a, on a Saturday, right? I came on you a Saturday? You did. Yeah, okay. you did. Come okay. And you spent quite a bit of time with us. And, and I think that that was helpful for us because throughout the journey, we want to implement things at home that will kind of coincide with what he's doing at school or with other people. And I think consistency yeah. is so crucial we saw that, right? Like he, he spiraled at the end of every day. And I remember yeah. there were many times I called you cause he was in an incontrollable tantrum and I didn't know what to do. And that's why when I closed my office doors 15 years ago and went to do in homes, just for this reason, just for this reason, Sarah, because to walk into someone's home and to see a child in their environment, to see a family in their environment. And I remember walking in your front door. I remember walking in and Jack is was in the, the playroom to the right. He, he was playing his cars and there was a couch in there and I came in and introduced myself and I just came in and put my bag down and sat on that couch and we just sat and watched and listened to him. And then your husband and, and your daughter came, you know, she was napping, I think your daughter was napping. So I remember sitting there and, you know, that's what I love to do is just to be part of your environment and, and to walk into that space and to be in that child's space to see him just playing, playing with his toys, uh, lining up his cards, uh, counting everything out, just do, doing all these typical wonderful things with toys, and then mm-hmm. being part of the meal time, that lunchtime. I think it was a lunchtime or snack time or something. Watching that process, and Sarah, if you could kind of capture that moment too, because it's got to be really difficult and really odd to have someone like me walking in your house, right? Is that? I mean, I know because I've heard it, but <laughs> I think it'd be good to put it on tape. It's got to be a little bit unnerving. It's got to be right. It, I mean, it is right. Because I mean, now you know us very well, but at the time, like yeah. I didn't, I didn't know we were you complete at all. Strangers. Um, <laughs> and you're just letting this person into your house and you're kind of like, am I being a good parent? Am I doing this right? Like, are they, I what know, are they going to think? And I think what we, what we tried to do and what we've done through this whole process is we just kind of embrace it. And we were just at a place of, of like, you know what? we have no options. So we got to show her everything because (laughs) we got to fix this, you know? And so I think that's kind of, we approached it very open, kind of open-armed because I know you gave us the option. You're like, do you, you know, just want to go about your business and then I'll, I'll kind of jump in, in a situation or how do you want me to do it? And we chose that option. And I think that was perfect because a situation would occur you'd watch how we would do it. And then you'd go, this is how I would do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or try, try this, try this, try right. this. Try yeah. this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Try this. And it always, it always works. In the most loving way. Try, right. try this. <laughs> Why don't you do something a little different? Um, and so I think that that helped us because I remember you leaving and us going, like we felt like we had a toolbox now, you know, in terms of how to deal with this. Because I think what would happen is these things would happen and we would kind of panic. Because 
he was out of control and we didn't know how to address it in a way that was the right way. And so I felt like we felt more armored because when it happened and there were still situations, I remember very vividly down the line, he completely lost it. And I called you and you could hear him in the background. And it was like, he was just, and you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do, you know? And he, (laughs) he got, he calmed down and, you know, we haven't had that in so long, but I remember in the beginning, it was all the time. It was, I do remember yeah. too. Yeah. At, at the oddest hours, oddest times, but oh, yeah. yeah, those morning, I remember those early morning getting in the car, <laughs> she was yeah. getting out yeah. of the car, the preschool phone call from the parking lot. I remember those too. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 We've, we've and they're had going, a lot they're going of- to bed and the, yeah. That's a very good insight. Thank you. Because, you know, I've always wondered from, from the other side, people, you know, what, what is it like having me walk in there? It, it's yeah. And that choice is there for me to help to guide you and to, to give you some direction or then just to stand back and observe. Majority of people do choose. If I'm going to have you tell me what to do, please <laughs> tell me what to you're do. At the end of your rope, right? At that point, yeah. you're like, I got yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. Else, what I'm doing isn't working. So yeah. Help. All right. So we're, so we're going to, we're going to jump a bit here because this, that was kind of an introduction. I met, met you all at your home, had some thoughts of my own. And then I went down to the preschool, right? That was the next piece that I went and observed at the preschool yeah. at that time. Cause uh, Jack was really struggling. And the preschool was really struggling with what to do with them. And, and I'm, I remember that exactly. It's like, if I get one more phone call from the school, I, I can't just jump and go pick them up. That was what's happening. You had to literally leave your job mm-hmm. and you were driving quite a distance at that point. So you'd have mm-hmm. to go pick them up, leave work, go pick them up, come home, work from home and take care of the child. That was just a, a very big challenge. So that's when I did go down and reserve at the preschool. And I was beginning to see uh, you know, a lot of the behaviors that, we will discuss today, but just a few of them that we were both seeing at home and school, they were very parallel, but the school was definitely an explosion, a bigger amount and a larger response from him, a fight and flight, definitely. So at school, what what I was seeing was um, definitely avoidance of peers, not really having great relations with his classmates, um, not really knowing how to engage, really stuck with the adults kind of followed them around. He had a couple adults that he loved and he had a really great teacher there that he did bond with. So when that teacher was there, it was better. When that teacher was off or on a break or, you know, gone for the day, that was when I think a lot of the troubles happened, which is, you know, very typical. And I remember him chewing on his clothing, right? He was chewing on his shirts and sweatshirts and Mm -hmm. his jacket a lot. By that time, I think you had already had a chewy toy around his neck because he was already chewing on that before I met you. That must have been from mm-hmm. the behaviors piece. So we had a lot of chewing going on of oral uh, needs mm-hmm. of, of chewing in hopes that hopefully he wouldn't bite somebody. I think that was the assumption there, right? That was the hope, uh, yeah. That was the hope, yeah. And then um, I remember observing him in the play yard, you know, the transition playtime outside, all the children would be playing and Jack would kind of be off by himself, digging a hole by himself. And then if a child came near, he didn't quite know how to read that and what to do with that and how to respond to that child. And then if the child would reach for something, Jack would get very responsive and either, you know, hit that person or do something uh, that would cause an adult to come over and intercede. And then transitions, transitions were his, oh, transitions Uh, were so painful to watch. It was just, you know, clean up time, clean up time. And you would see Jack just run across the play yard and hide you know, hide away. I'm not going to transition. I'm not going to transition. I'm not, you just, you knew it was painful to watch, but the school tried. They really did try to 
to guide him and to bring him in and, and transition him. But then there were potty issues dealing with mm-hmm. the potty and not wanting to use the restroom. And at yes. that certain time and tra- we all part of the transition and then coming into the classroom. And this is a very brief synopsis, right? Of a lot that went mm-hmm. on. As Sarah has said, Jack is very capable intellectually. He's bright. He's, he's clever. He's curious. He loved the story time, but to sit in that group with a story, you know, it was very difficult for him to sit in that group and have other children around him and the stimulation around him. And I, I was seeing a lot of sensory pieces and alerts. His, his system, his body was so alert to everything that was going on. So sitting in a group was difficult. Listening was difficult. Even though I know he wanted to hear that story, he just couldn't. And if he was hearing the story, he had such great questions. And then watching him doing a, an activity with shaving cream, that was just overwhelming for him. Wanted to do it, but just, no, I can't do it. And that became a disaster of throwing shaving cream. So you know, once again, behaviors are communications. And Jack was communicating so much by his behaviors. So many things were being screamed out. Help me. I can't do this. I I need support. I don't understand what's going on here. Everything's moving too fast. That was my observation of the preschool and took that information back to, to Sarah. So what we did, we we knew it wasn't the right preschool. So we found another preschool and he was going to start in a couple of months, but we needed to bridge it. So we ended up hiring uh, a one-on-one aide for, I want to say it was a month or a month and a half, you know, to bridge the gap between the two. And we did that and it seemed to help him. And then he moved to the new preschool. This is now our third preschool and, you know, we thought, felt like it was a little bit more structured, a little bit better environment. It might work better. And then it was at this preschool that he was there, I want to say six months, maybe, maybe yeah. a little longer. And then we had like the little evaluation. And I remember that meeting and it's like the stuff of nightmares, you know, where you're just sitting in there and all the teachers are in there and they're just telling you about how he can't do it and how he is aggressive and he's behind in this area and this area and this area. And you just ball your eyes out. And they tell you at that point, they said, look, he can't stay here unless he has an aid 24 seven aid. And we just felt like, okay, like this is it, you know, we can't keep doing this. There, there's a problem. And I believe after that is when I called you and we said, okay, now, now we start moving and yeah. we try to find a solution. I had gone to observe him a couple times too at the preschool during this time before you had that meeting, just to verify that I was also seeing the same behaviors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, and that's when we took that next leap. That's right. Yeah. And it, that starts our journey. That's our this does start the journey. <laughs> journey. It was crazy what ended up happening. You know, we, we basically took him in, he got evaluated and it's not a, an easy process. Like he, I think it was two days. I want to say that, you know, he went to the offices, they observed him. He did a whole bunch of different tests. They interviewed myself and my husband. Then we, we sat down and I remember you were in this meeting and autism was never something that we ever thought. Now looking back, I'm like, it was clear, but like, I should say it's not actually clear because what she told us, and this is kind of important too, he's very gray because in a lot of respects, he doesn't fit the mold. And I think that that's important for parents because 
that's why his pediatrician said there wasn't an issue because in a lot of respects, he doesn't show those behaviors. And really what we were told was he's going into this, this autism box really because of his social, because he's not able to really grasp social interactions and understand social norms and how to communicate effectively in a social situation. And I remember like we were shocked and we just sat there and I was crying. And I remember that you told us, you're like, go home, have a glass of wine, just (laughs) decompress. It's okay. Like feel the feels, you know, and then we'll, we'll move on. And that's, that's what we did. Um, We grieved. We we got, we got this. We got this. Yes. We we grieved. We have to allow that, but then we just said, okay, let's go. Can I back you up for a second? Because I, mm-hmm. I think it's really important for parents to know at that moment when we decide to make that decision and finding out what's going on. So at that moment, I'd given you several resources of going through regional center, doing early intervention resources within your community. Because for the age of three, you can reach out to early intervention services, which is within your school district and regional center area to get services for your children, speech therapy, occupational therapy, diagnoses, any kind of assessments, hearing, everything. And something that that parents can definitely take advantage of in those early years. The the challenge we had is Zach is already three. We don't meet their criteria, right, for early intervention services. Sarah, you had a choice at that moment to go private and do the private assessment. I mean, you chose the, the one psychologist that at the time that we I was working with. So you, you decided to go the private route, not an inexpensive process. And insurance companies, it's a fight. It's a fight to get insurance companies to support and pay for this, but it can be done. It's just a fight. It's a battle. So Sarah is, Sarah is the battler of, of insurance companies also. So I always tell parents, you know, this is something I don't want you to avoid doing because this was a life-changing piece for Jack and his family. I know it's very difficult to hear a diagnosis or to hear something as concrete as your child has this, right? It's a very difficult, very difficult time. No, it was awful. Honestly, I I can tell you for the people that might be going on this journey in the beginning, it was torture for us. And it wasn't easy. It it wasn't like we processed it within a month. I mean, it was years of pain, you know, And, and, and the pain got less, you know, and then something would happen and it would come out again. And, you know, it, in the beginning, you feel like it's unbearable and you're not going to get through it. And then once you get your plan in place and you start working through it, you feel, okay, like maybe this is going to get better. And and to say, even now, like there's not instances where the pain comes back would be a lie. You know, I I think it will always be there in different ways, but it gets better. It does. You know, it's like, it's really hard in the beginning because it's overwhelming, but when you start to see the progress, then it starts to kind of ease up a little bit and you go, okay, now I'm seeing the benefit. Yeah. We we sat in that room together and I want to share the importance of having, I will support you. As you know, Sarah, um, I will be there. I will be there for you. And I will sit there with you in those offices and be in those uncomfortable situations. So I can hear also firsthand from the psychologist, what's going on, what are the issues here? What are the challenges? And then I can support you. And that's why I'm there. And that's what we did. We just started from there. I remember the question that I asked, because I'm like, I'm very type A. So (laughs) I I basically said, okay, I've got this problem. And I asked her, I said, what's the number one thing that I need to do? And she said, ABA. 
ABA therapy. And so I gave myself, I don't know how many days, it was like two or three. And I was like, all right, we're choosing to embrace it because it's not helping him by us kind of trying to gloss over it. It's only detrimental to him because he's missing out on an opportunity to get better. And so we went crazy. We literally pulled him out of school. We got a nanny, a full-time nanny. But that, that moment when you left that office, you swallowed it. You're sitting in your car and, and crying or talking to me and, and saying, you know, where to go here, where to go here. Can you talk about, I got to know your mother in this process. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because your mom was coming to some of my classes. And so I got to know your mother. Mm-hmm. That reality of trying to convince your mother that her grandson has something diagnosable was a very, very emotional, very powerful moment for you. And, and I think a lot of people run into this. Can you share just a little bit of that? Because I think that's a really significant piece. You are finding an internal battle as well as trying to support your son. Yeah, it it was tough. I think my my mom and and I want to say, you know, some others, but really my mom was like the pivotal person, you know, was basically she wouldn't believe she didn't believe it. She didn't. She just, she said, Nope, this is just overdiagnosis. And, you know, this is the world we live in and everyone has a label and, you know, he, he's no different than any other kid. And, and, you know, I think in his case, it was because he was, he's very high functioning. So you, he's not somebody that you would look at and, and know, unless you have a kid like him, then you would see it. There's, there's quirks to this day and there always will be you know, she's had traumas in her past that have, have shaded a little bit about, you know, her opinion. My, my brother had some struggles and, you know, that was very painful for her. So I think a lot of it was like, I don't want to relive this. This is really painful. And it was hard because everyone wants their parents to be on board. I mean, you, you want to have their support, no matter how old you are, you know? And I think in this case, it was the first time where, I had to stand up and say, this is my kid and you might be my parent, but you've either got to be on board or you got to get off because like yeah, we need yeah. to fix this, but it is hard and, to make that decision. And to was, really, you know, yeah. I think uh, what was helpful for me and for grandma, when grandma came to my class with, with Jack, was it that she was able then to put it in perspective of seeing him with children, his own age in a therapeutic environment where I was there and I knew she was really struggling. So I really stood by her and was with her throughout that morning or that during that class. And, and when she was having a difficult time with him and getting frustrated, she would say, yeah, I see it now. I do see it. And I think that visual for her was, I think, really helpful in that sense to, to live it, right. To live yeah. it with, not just in her home or your home, but to see him in his, in his environment, you know, his, his, his peer group helpful, but also I can tell was also very emotional for her. It finally hit her. She did question like, oh, he's doing this, but he's not doing this, but he's doing this. And I said, yeah, he is. He is doing so well at this. And he's really struggling with this. And that time I think was uh, very healing in that sense for her to see it. Oh boy. Okay. We got grandma on board now. Sarah is now starting ABA. The psychologist gave out several referrals. So you did some research and we started him in ABA. We had to go through the insurance process, obviously find someone that's in network. We got our approval 25 hours a week of ABA. So that's what he did. He, he did 25 hours a week. He went as if he was in preschool and we had our nanny at home 
so that he was able to stay home. And, you know, it's important to note too, my husband and I work full time, you know, very demanding jobs. So it's not like this was easy for us to do, you know, but I think making it, making it a priority is so important. And so that's what we did. And, and he went and he did well. And then he, he did a lot of, of growth, rapid growth. But then there, did, there was a point in the process with the ABA where I said, this company is no longer suiting our need. He had outgrown what they were giving him. And I knew it in my gut. And I said, he, it's time to move on. He needs to start a general ed preschool and he needs a new that's going to be flexible to what he needs. And maybe not necessarily the standard by the book, this is the next step thing. And that's what I did. And Sarah, what you have to realize too, in that conversation is Sarah and I are still talking, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we're having these weekly conversations of this is just not feeling right. Um, and looking at all the different options, right? And then talking, and we did, I think you did go back and talk to the psychologist too at that point, I did. right? Yeah, so I there did, was a yes. kind of went, went back to the psychologist, talked to her and said, okay, this is kind of where we are. And she agreed too that we could go into a preschool general, a general ed preschool with support and, and ABA also in addition. So that's kind of how we're using all the resources around us here to make these decisions. And and Sarah's just not following her gut and pulling them out and do, but. Uh, but Sarah did a lot of research on what was needed. Yeah, we've kept everybody in our circle for years. I just talked to the psychologist this last fall um, and we got you know some medication to deal with some ADHD issues now that he's in school. We see it. I'm always constantly talking to my network and I feel like you have to, you know, because you don't know. I think the biggest kind of maybe self-coping kind of lie I told myself in the beginning was like, okay, if I just do this one thing, he's going to get fixed and it's going to be okay. You know, if I just do ABA, then he'll do ABA for eight months and he'll be fine. That's not the case. It's never going to be the case. You know, he's, he's doing so well now. There's always going to be something with, with this kind of type of child. And I think that it's not a bad thing. You just have to know how to, how to address it. So yeah, to your point, like I, I had this gut feeling and I just sort of talked to the people in my network and I validated it. And we were fortunate, honestly, from there on out, things have just fallen into place perfectly. We found the perfect preschool that is, was just so nurturing and helpful. My daughter is there now. They're our family. And if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. You know, that, and that was kind of how we've, yeah. we've done it. And what you found in the preschool too was a director the one who really knew the language, knew what you were referring to in the sense of ABA and autism. So also creating that environment in the school setting, which allows for so much emotional growth. And that's what that preschool is so focused on is the the EQ, the emotional growth that your children, the staff is so wonderful at providing that. And I've had pleasure of going there numerous times now and really have enjoyed seeing that play out. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something actually really important to note is that even though he's now in this general ed preschool and he's got this ABA, my job and my husband's job is never done. That's right. Yes. Yes. To the school, to ABA, to, to, to understand where is he having trouble? How can we support him at home? What does that look like? And so I think if you're thinking you can just 
plug and play and put them in and the people are going to do their job and you're not going to have to do anything as a parent. That's not true. Like you have to constantly be talking and implementing things at home. And when they told me, Hey, this happened at school today, I need you to have this conversation with him. We would have the conversation with him. We would walk him through what happened. And it's in order for it to work the best possible way, you have to always stay plugged in. And it's so easy to go, I've got a client meeting down in San Diego, but then I'm taking phone calls from ABA on my way home, you know, so I'm ready for when I get home to deal with it. So I think that's important to note too. And it can be done because we both work, my husband and I, you just have to make it a priority. And that might mean, yes, some days you're leaving work early because you got to go have an ABA meeting or he's got X, Y, and Z and I got to the point with my job where I just said, this is my priority and this is my life. And you're either going to take it or leave it. And you know what? They were fine with it. The other step was an IEP. So we did do an IEP. We're in Pasadena. So it was through Pasadena Unified. And that's where we were hoping to get him a little bit more OT for some fine motor and also just social speech because his speech was great, but he didn't know how to necessarily have a conversation. So that phone call to PSD, you call your school district, you call your school district office, the main office, not the school, and you ask for, do you remember the language you used? I, 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 would like to, I would like to initiate an IEP, an individual education plan for my child. And from that moment that you make that phone call or make that connection with the, with the school district, that starts a whole legal issue there with the school district. They have accountability that starts from that initial phone call that you make of accountability for the school district to then hit these landmarks of getting this done. Well, we also got an attorney, which unfortunately is somewhat sometimes needed. You know, I think especially in a case like his, we had to fight for his services because, you know, he's high functioning. And so it doesn't hurt. You know, she sat there with us in the, in the meetings and she would say, "Mm, you know, I don't think so. You know, and so it just, it helps to have an advocate there. <laughs> yeah, there are advocates. I can do that. There are advocates that are just hired, you can hire just for this job too. So you don't always have to go the attorney route, but that's that, that type A, Sarah here. <laughs> I just wanted to get it done. <laughs> and, and just so you know, you don't always, you know, you don't have to walk in there with your gloves up. You don't have to walk no. in there with, ready to fight. But Sarah had enough knowledge information from the assessment that we did privately to know that there is something more than what the school district was, was willing to give. So that's what you did. You called the school district and, st- yep. and initiated the IEP. Yes. And, and I kind of, I gloss over it a little bit just because for our purposes, it didn't really give us what he needed. I, the OT aspect of it was great. Yeah. The problem that we ran into was COVID. And so a lot of these services ended up not, not, he wasn't able to finish the OT because it was like on, on zoom and he hated zoom with a burning passion. It just wasn't something that was working, but in simultaneously we were getting, getting ready for kindergarten and we looked at PUSD for kindergarten, but we knew that he needed a smaller class size and he needed more individualized attention. And so we started to look at private schools in the area. 
I, rem- I so- remember that. I remember that phone call. Yes. All right, Mary Beth, yes. where do we put them? Where do we go? <laughs> we were very selective about where we applied. I am a product of casting in private schools, which helps because I kind of knew where I would have a decent chance and a decent fit versus where I wouldn't. The schools I went to, I didn't apply to because my son and I are very different and that's yeah. fine. And we ended up finding a wonderful school. It's the, the perfect fit. I, honestly, it, I, I couldn't have been happier about it. So we knew with the IEP, we focused well, more on the private pay side of it, like the ABA. You know, as I meet families, this, this goes back to the, the minute I met you at your home. You said something to me and with a tear coming down your face. And I'll never forget it. I remember you asking me, will he go to kindergarten? That was way back when he was three. I remember saying, Sarah, yes, we will find the right place for him to go to school that will best match him and support him and support you. And that journey, two years later, the preschool into into kindergarten and finding that right match once again has happened. And it's a right match right now. Will it be a right match forever? We don't know, but right now it is. It's a good support system. He can continue to get services as needed while he's here. And that's where you are right now. We are now spring semester of the kindergarten year. And he actually, he said goodbye to ABA. Yeah, I don't even think you knew this. He said goodbye to ABA a week ago because he is now testing as adequate. And, and what adequate means, because at first I'm like, adequate, that doesn't sound great. Right. <laughs> it, it means, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but clinically speaking, he is now on par with his peers, which means exactly. that clinically speaking, he is not testing as if he is autistic. And I remember this from the very beginning. You said he can do that. You know, he can get to a place where he is no longer going to be clinically considered autistic. It will be with him forever in the sense of quirks. Socially, does he still have little quirks? Yes. Does he still have some emotional regulation problems? Yes. Will that always be there? Probably. Do we all have that? Yeah. Yes. We all do. (laughs) We're all on the spectrum. We're all there. We're all there. We all have our quirks. We all have our pieces. So yes, that's what he will carry with him. He's a normal human being growing in this world. He is currently in in a kindergarten setting enjoying his kindergarten year. And what a year to be in kindergarten, right? Had to spend the first uh, semester of his kindergarten year on Zoom, which was not easy, which was challenging for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, really hard. I mean, I think, I think the thing that I want to leave people with that's really important is that you have to be an advocate. And I think that I had to get over like the fear of what, people were going to think of me when I went in, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I hate to use fight as the word because it's kind of like very aggressive, but it kind of is like that. Like you just have to stand up and say, this isn't good enough. I need something different. It's hard because you have to get over yourself too. And you just have to say, it's not me. It's about them. That's what it was. If you think back to 2018, when I first walked into your home, you know, that was that feeling of me walking in, this stranger walking to your home and taking that step to having me walk in there. We have to do this for our family. And I, we do have to swallow that piece of, we could sit here and hide and, and keep this among within ourselves and protect ourselves, but we do have to reach out. And, and, and that reaching out led us on this path and this journey together 
Sarah, which we've had, you know, that was 2018. We are now 2021 and we are still talking. <laughs> and, you know, we know well, I think it's, it's crazy. No, I, I, mean, I, I am forever. I, like I say, I love, you know, I, I will be at that child's graduation when he yes. comes across that stage because this is, this is a, you know, this is a relationship we have built, a relationship built on trust of confidence. And I have to say, you know, you have been an amazing, amazing mother, amazing individual supporting this child that you've been given. Dear Jack is a very special, beautiful child. And he was given to you for a reason. And yeah, you, I told myself and you took it. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm being given this, this challenge and there's a reason and I don't yeah. know what it is, but I will figure <laughs> it out. I think the thing to it, and you said this really well, because you did like a book group and you said it very well because another parent had said something and I said, it gets better. And you, you made a comment. You said, there's been a lot of work to get it to be better. And I think that that's really key. I mean, it's taken us two and a half years of very strict yes. ABA, us committing our lives. You know, for example, during COVID, when everything shut down, my husband and I did ABA virtually 15 hours a week on top of our job because the, yeah, the therapist yeah. couldn't come to our house and we didn't want him to backslide. So we did it and yeah, we had, yeah. but you just, you have to go into it with the mentality of like, if I'm going to get through this, it's this and everything else. And yeah, you just yeah. find a way to make it work. Yeah. Very so. beautiful. Beautiful belief. You said, I think we're going to end on that. Yes, um, but thank you, thank you so much for taking this time. And I, I, I just encourage anyone to reach out to get help. If you see anything, follow your gut. As Sarah says, follow your gut and reach out. People are are, are here to help you, so please do that. But uh, thank you, Sarah, so much for for using this time to give us your knowledge and information. And thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wang. The music you hear in our podcast is courtesy of the Emmy Award-winning artist, Stephen Morell. If you have a question for Mary Beth and the Everyday Parenting podcast community, please join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook. Don't miss our next episode. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Also, please take the time out to find us and rate us on iTunes. 